You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Cool. Well, I've done it again. I'm told I always start my sermons with cool. I get up and I go, cool. And I said I wouldn't do it this morning, but I just did. Anyway, I digress. Good morning. Yeah, cool. Uh, It's great to be here this morning, particularly as we start um, another one of our practices in the Transformation Trek series. So we've done Wielding the Word, we've done Transformative Prayer, we've done Community, um, and this morning we're jumping into a new one called Crazy, Radical, Generous, Hopeful Hospitality. Crazy, Radical, Generous, Hopeful Hospitality, because who doesn't love a tongue twister? Why don't we all try saying that? What is it? We're doing... Crazy, radical, generous, hopeful hospitality. Now we'll do it twice the speed. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. Um, But yeah, who doesn't love a tongue twister? So as we kick off this new practice, crazy, radical, generous, hopeful hospitality, my hope is that we can actually have a bit of fun with this one. As we sort of come to the end of the year, as we're coming into this Christmas holiday season, it's a great topic. Hospitality is fun. It's something I'm super passionate about. Let's have fun with this. Um, as we just dive deeper and try to understand a little bit more of what hospitality actually is. Because sometimes I think when we think hospitality, we kind of gloss over it or we sort of park it over here away from what we would normally uh, consider as as godly or or spiritual practices. So this morning, my big goal is basically just for us to review our perspective of hospitality, to look at it, to review it. And so this week I'm calling this week, uh, the life-changing practice of eating together. The life-changing practice of eating together. And then next week, we're going to do part two, uh, which is a bit more of a warning, uh, and we're going to look at like the impact of intentionality. The impact of intentionality. But before we do, why don't we pray? Cool. God, I just, I thank you that we get to come here this morning. I thank you uh, that we get to dive into your word, and I thank you that we get to look at another practice, Lord. I just thank you that we have awesome and fun things that we can invite people to around something like the topic of hospitality. I thank you that you've created us to be social and to eat together and to, to join in fellowship and community. So, Lord, I just I thank you for hospitality. I thank you for the topic. And, yeah, I just pray that you might speak through me this morning as we review and, and, and look at our different perspectives of hospitality. Amen. So I want to start this morning just by taking a quick flashback and looking at our roots as the early church, our roots as the early church. If you look all the way back to the early church, we can see that eating has actually been a central Christian practice since the very beginning. It's been something that we've always been good at, and it's something that we've always done. Around 350 AD, there was this Roman emperor named Julian who started to document his confusion around this. He knew these Christians were gathering, he knew they were getting together, he didn't really know what their intent was, and on top of that, he didn't know why they were eating together all the time. He's like, what are they doing? They're always eating. And so the Christians at the time were having these things they'd call love feasts. Love feasts. And so it was documented that the Christians were gathering of a morning to sing responsibly to God, so church, like this, they'd come, they'd sing, and they'd do that, but then they'd go away, and they were gathering again to partake of food, And I love this, but it was documented that it was ordinary, innocent food. Ordinary, innocent food. And so, the people at the time are confused. They're like, what is going on? And so, a rhythm eventually developed where it was standard practice for early Christians to celebrate the Eucharist or communion of the morning. But then they would come together again. 
they would come together again and they would gather together in fellowship and community around a table to share a meal. See, the early Christians spent so much of their lifestyle and ministry around the table that it left people like this emperor confused as to their motives for eating together. It left them going, there's got to be something more to this. Surely they're not just eating. Surely there's something more to this. Now, there's a lot more we can dive into, and we're going to look a little bit more at the history next week. But my point in getting there, and my point about talking that, about that this morning, is just to get off the, across the simple point that eating has been a central part of what we do since the beginning of our movement, since the beginning of Christianity. Probably as a result, in fact, probably definitely as a result of what Jesus modeled, as, as a result of what Jesus showed as he laid out and he modeled to his disciples eating together. See, eating or this, this heart of hospitality has been something that we've always been good at. This, this concept of sharing a meal together is something that the church has done really well missionally over years. It's been a central part of what we do, but I feel like somewhere along the line, somewhere as we've progressed, we've gone from having this heart of hospitality, this heart of missionally eating together, and it's, this, it's slowly shifted over time to instead this mindset of the art of hospitality. It's gone from a heart thing where it's been about sharing and eating missionally to this mindset around the art of hospitality. See, I don't know about you, but I'd say commonly when we say and think about the concept of hospitality, I don't know how many of you just get met with a wave of just exhaustion <laughs> as you immediately, <laughs> if you're anything like me, just an exhaustion and stress, you might be sinking there going, sitting there thinking, a whole month of hospitality? A whole month? How many events am I going to have to host? I'm not very good at hosting events. My house isn't really big enough to host events. You know, maybe my... Um, it takes a lot of effort, and, and how could they possibly challenge us to do a whole month of hospitality? Wait until we tell you that we're doing it for the whole of summer. See, a lot of the time when we think of hospitality nowadays, we think of hosting these big events. We think of Christmas Day or that birthday event, or maybe it's someone's 40th. We think of cheese boards and styling for Instagram. We think of engagement parties or weddings, or if it's a church thing, we think of these big ticketed events that require like subcommittees and planning and all this thinking and at the core of it I think when we think hospitality nowadays in our society there's this this mindset that it's about the art of hospitality we think planning we think show it's planning it's extravagant a lot of the time we think of these big events that require cleaning and cooking and organizing venues and you have to send out invites because it's big enough that you you can't miss it you have to be there because it's a regular. We think about events. We think big. We think planning. We think show. I don't know about you, but growing up, I'd have to say, mum was probably one of the most hospitable people I knew. We always had people over. She loved cooking. She loved hosting events. Uh, and it was amazing, because it was always way too much good food, and we'd always have leftovers for weeks after. But I just very distinctly remember, every time we'd have one of those events, those few weeks coming in, it was all hands on deck. <laughs> Mow the lawn, vacuum the house, dust, clean, all of that fun stuff for a kid. Uh, and mum would be in the kitchen for a good couple of days, cooking and prepping um, and trying to keep us out so that we wouldn't eat it all before the event. But it's exhausting just thinking about it. There's, there's time 
for things like that. Don't get me wrong. There's time for big events. There's a purpose in that, and it's important. And there's times to pull out all the stops. Have big events. Celebrate Christmas. Celebrate that wedding. But in a broader sense, I think we've left behind the heart of hospitality. In a broader sense, what if we changed the way we looked at hospitality? What if we shifted our mindset back from this art, this show, this presentation of hosting a big event where the house is immaculate back to just simply a heart of hospitality? Something that instead we can all adopt, that you don't have to be a good cook or have a big house or be a party planner to achieve, but instead something that's just an internal shift to adopt a heart of hospitality of sharing a meal with others. I wonder how often we actually see hospitality as almost a theological practice. How often we actually see the immense value in it as a way to express love to others, as a way to connect with and reach the lost, as a way to invite people to experience the love of Jesus through eating, through the simple yet universal language of gathering around a table and eating together. See, when we look at the Bible, when we look at Jesus, I love this. It, it, it tells us what Jesus came to do in the Bible. When we look at verses like Mark chapter 10, verse 45, or Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it tells us that he came to serve. It tells us that he came to give his life as a ransom, to seek and save the lost. But what I love the most is that when we start to get to verses like Luke chapter 7, verse 34, it then starts to tell us how he's going to do it. It says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to give his life, to come and save and seek the lost. It told us the important, like the important key mission, but then it tells us how he did it. It tells us his method. He came eating and drinking. If you remember about a month ago, I spoke on a passage in Luke 5 as Jesus begins to lay out and model some broader rhythms, to lay out and model some broader rhythms for his disciples. And one of those rhythms was exactly this, exactly what we're talking about this morning. It's about being intentional and gathering around tables together and eating with people. When we look at Jesus all the way through his ministry, we see Jesus eating with others. He turns water into wine at a wedding, and then he eats with tax collectors, and then he eats with Pharisees, and then he feeds the 5,000, and then the very last thing he does before he gets hung on the cross is he has the Last Supper. His whole ministry revolves around this phenomenon of eating with others, of just simply sharing this heart of hospitality with others. See, Jesus models perfect, perfect hospitality to us. He models being in close proximity to the people that he wants to have an effect on. He models being in close proximity to the people that he wants to have an effect on so that they can see the real Jesus, so that they can see all of him. They can see the good, they can see the bad, they can see the ugly, they see everything. In other words, hospitality doesn't need to be big events. Hospitality is simply the practice of letting go, letting go of the art, and adopting the heart and inviting others into what we're already doing, into the mess of our, our lives, into the mess of what we're already doing. A great example of this recently, we had a barbecue at the back of ours. Marky organized it. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but my initial understanding was that it was just a friendly barbecue with the neighbors. So we're talking like six people, right? And then over the week, six became 10. 
cool. 10 became 15. I'm like, oh yeah, this will be fun. And then 15 became 20. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't really know any of these people. And then all of a sudden, the day actually came around. I reckon we had at least 30 people swimming around in the canal. We even had people arrive on a boat. <laughs> and we had this big event, and it was awesome. There were people from all different circles. Everyone sort of, not everyone knew each other, and everyone's meeting each other for the first time, and we're just making connections. We're just making connections, and we're just meeting people. And what I love about that example is that it didn't need to be a special event. <laughs> there was no big planning no social event to, to, to respond to. There wasn't weeks of prep. Just a simple attitude of letting go of the control, letting go of saying, this is my event with my invite list at my clean house, my plan, and instead just saying, hey, I'm going to have a barbecue next Saturday. Who can I invite? I know I'm having a barbecue. Who can I invite? There's no show. There's no complexity to that. It's just the simple heart of going, I'm having a meal. Who can gather with me? Who can gather around my table? The invitation to share a table is a profoundly meaningful one in every culture. And I think when we look at the church, the table should be one of the primary symbols of Christian gathering. When we look at the church, the table should be one of the primary symbols of the Christian gathering. If you've been around here for a while, you know that you Burley uses the language of large tables and small tables for our, for our gatherings, and that's because they represent hospitality. The table represents inclusivity. The table represents generosity. And the table represents, represents grace. Michael Frost, an author, says that the table is a great equalizer in relationships. When we eat together, together we discover the inherent humanity of all people. We share stories and hopes and fears and disappointments. People open up to each other, and we ourselves can open up to share the same things. See, one of the things I love and find so interesting and like that just blows my mind is just how profoundly powerful the simple practice of gathering around a table can be. How profoundly powerful that can be, and how this, this simple concept of sharing a meal is a universal language. You can try to share the word, you can try and do all that stuff, but when it comes back to the nuts and bolts of it, <laughs> sharing a meal is this universal language that everyone understands. A few years ago, I did a couple of different trips to Africa. We went to Uganda, and um, <laughs> the first trip I remember the most distinctly, we rock up uh, to run these camps for these boys from these orphanages, and we rock up, and we don't really have much cultural training except for what the dude on the bus told us as he's driving us to the camp. Some of the guys on the team, this is literally the first time they've left the country. And so here we are, we're at this campsite, eight white fellas with a box of pool noodles, some paint and some water bombs <laughs> in a different country. And all of a sudden these buses start pulling in. And like 150 kids get off these buses and they're quiet, they're a bit standoffish, they don't really know who we are, they don't know what we're doing, they've never heard of this gents camp thing before that we're about to try and run for them. And so there's a huge barrier there. And so we send them off to their dorms and they put their bags away and they do that. And then we come back to the hall and I'm trying to get them excited and I'm going, hey, gents camp, let's get fun, like, let's get excited. And they're not really, the jokes aren't really landing because, funny enough, Australian, like, humour isn't the same as the Ugandan's humour. <laughs> And I'm trying to explain things and get them excited about this week we're going to have. <laughs> and I remember sitting there going, oh boy, 
what have we done? <laughs> we have three back-to-back weeks of camps to run, and there's obviously, like, there's a disconnect here. Like, this is not, I don't know how this is going to work. And so the first moment we're in, in Africa, and I'm going, this is, this is going to be interesting. Let's see how this goes. But then I distinctly remember it came to dinner time, literally on the first night, and the, s- the food starts coming out, and I promise you, it was like someone just like flicked a switch and just injected life into that place. These kids went from like quiet, like reserved, sitting on their own, to just like joyous laughter and smiles, and they want to, they're laughing as they're trying to get us to share and, and try these new foods that are foreign to us, and and then eat the stuff that we don't like, and it's just fun and laughter, and these kids are just making connections, and it goes from laughter to asking about me, and wanting to know who I am, and where I'm from, and, and if I have sisters, or brothers, or whatever, they're just asking, they want to know about me, and then all of a sudden, they're telling me about them, they're telling me about their stories, about how they've come to get into the orphanage, and, and we're building these relationships, and this is night one, <laughs> over a meal, it just went from zero to a hundred over this universal language of eating together. We had small group times, we had spiritual input times, and we'd sit together every morning and we'd try to answer questions. But let me tell you, the most impactful conversations I had weren't over questions that were crafted <laughs> to have good conversations. They were over meals. There's this universal power and language around it that leads to deeper connections, that leads to these relationships, these bonds that I have with these boys, the reason I keep going back. There is something profoundly powerful about the simple practice of gathering and eating together, about sharing a meal that knows no bounds, that goes beyond the constraints of demographic and religion and culture and country. It's a universal language. Sharing meals together on a regular basis is probably one of the most sacred practices that we can engage in together, missionally, as Christians. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. And I wonder how often we actually view hospitality in that lens. I wonder how often we actually view hospitality as an opportunity to extend the kingdom of God, as an opportunity to invite people into our lives. Hospitality doesn't have to be the practice of planning big events. I've said it and I'll say it again. But instead, just simply inviting people around. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be 30 people. It doesn't have to be a large table. It can be a table at a coffee shop. It can be a table at a restaurant. It can be the park bench. It can be your dining table. It can be 30 people or it could just be one person or two people. Hospitality doesn't have to be a big event or a big table or anything large. It can just be one. It can just be the coffee shop table. So as a church, we're starting what we're going to call the summer of hospitality. The summer of hospitality. And the challenge is that for the next three months over this holiday season, as we go through Christmas and New Year's, as we come through that Im- period, we, we embrace the heart of missional hospitality. We embrace the heart of missional hospitality. We aren't asking you to throw big events. We're not asking you to throw street parties every Friday night where everyone's out the front getting rowdy. We're not asking you to do that. 
We're just asking you to embrace the heart of missional hospitality. To instead just invite that neighbour over next time you're having a barbecue. To invite the families in your street to carols. To have a coffee with that colleague that you've sort of been building a relationship with, but it's still strictly professional. Invite them for a coffee. Have a coffee with them before work. Let's break the boundaries of, of just a work friend that we keep over here. How often are the people that we spend the most time around getting the opportunity to truly get to know you? How often are the people that you spend the most time around truly getting the opportunity to know and see you? We're going to look at the challenges more next week, but for this morning we have one challenge. One challenge. As a church, we're going to try and lead by example. And so for the next month, well, over this season, over this summer of hospitality, we're going to have a barbecue every week after church. Simple, easy. We're going to have a barbecue after church. And the reason we're going to do that is so that we just have a chance to join in fellowship. We have a chance. We have something to invite people along to. We want to start practicing hospitality ourselves. And so my challenge this week is that afterwards, in the foyer, actually out there, it's going to be a blank roster. (laughs) Can't miss it. There's 10 weeks, 10 weeks, the summer of hospitality, 10 weeks. Let's fill this roster this morning. There's only 10 weeks and there's a lot more of us in this room. There's a lot more than 10 of us in this room. Let's fill it so that as that next week, all we have to worry about for the rest of the summer of hospitality is just inviting people along. I don't have to be coming up to people and going, can you, can you help next week? Can you do a fortnight's time? Instead, let's get it done so that for the rest of the summer of hospitality, we can just focus on the joy of inviting people along. That's the challenge this morning. Let's fill the roster so that next week's when the barbecues kick off, we can just enjoy it. We can enjoy the heart of hospitality. This morning is the beginning of a two-week series on crazy, radical, generous, hopeful (laughs) hospitality. We called it this because it's crazy, because society seems to tell us that it's, it's crazy to invite people into the messiness of our life. It's crazy to invite them because we have to maintain a certain image. We have to live this Insta-worthy life, that our events have to look a certain way. It, it's crazy to say, who cares if the house is a bit messy? The kids are in the pool. Let's invite some people over. It's foreign. It's crazy to do that in today's society. And it's radical. The dictionary says that radical is to affect the fundamental nature, the roots of something. It's radical because it's countercultural. Hospitality is countercultural. It's what Jesus did in a world, the world he lived in was filled with these cultural norms and expectations. And he just went, no, no, I'm going to choose who I eat with. (laughs) I'm going to eat with Pharisees. I'm going to eat with tax collectors. I'm not interested in the social norms. We live in a world where people are slowly building their fences higher and higher, where we just stay in our own lane. We don't really talk to our neighbours. We don't interact. And that's the fundamental nature we live in. But we want to change that. We want to be radical. We want to be countercultural, like Jesus. Hospitality is radical. It's generous because it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Maybe you need to reshuffle the budget a bit and just account for an extra coffee with a colleague when you get your morning coffee on the way to work. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe if you're Marky, it's budgeting for an extra 30 beef patties. (laughs) 
And it's hopeful because the very reason we can be generous and invite people into our lives is because we have something worth sharing. We have something worth sharing. We have something worth witnessing to in Jesus. Jesus gave his life so that we might have one to live. That we might have one to live. And so let's make the most of that so that we have a hope worth sharing. And he invites us to join him around his table. So as we wrap up this morning, as we start this hospitality series, as we dive into it, and we're going to have a bit of fun, as we come into this, we're going to actually come into a time of communion, communion this morning too, where we can reflect on and remember the hope that Jesus gives us through the sacrifice on the cross, the hope that is worth sharing, the hope that makes hospitality worth it. Jesus invites us to eat together in remembrance of him, and so this morning we're going to do just that want to do things a little bit differently and so in a moment we're going to a couple of people are going to bring around some cups and they're going to bring around some bread and we're going to actually eat together we're going to eat together Jesus calls us to eat together he calls it to be a celebration to have a feast to eat together and so instead of just having a little bit of grape juice that you can almost inhale (laughs) we're going to eat together we're going to do fellowship we're going to do hospitality together and so we're going to have some bread come around we're going to have some cups and you're going to get a cup of juice and then what we're going to do is I want you to turn to the people around you and I want to share I want you to share I want you to share what makes you hopeful I want you to share the hopefulness that you've seen or experienced in the last few weeks I want you to share what you're grateful for let's do hospitality let's do it together and then I want you guys to do communion together, to eat together, to drink together, and pray for each other. Jesus calls us around his table. He calls us to eat together. And so that's what we're going to do this morning as we come into a time of communion. I want us to remember the hopefulness that Jesus brings us through his sacrifice on the cross. So in a minute, I'm going to pray, uh, and then the bread and the juice will come around and Just remember, share the hopefulness. Share the gratefulness you've experienced this week. The gratefulness that makes this hope worth having. This hope that leads to have something to share. That leads us to having something worth inviting people over for. Let's pray. Dear God, I just... I thank you for hospitality. I thank you (laughs) that you've made our work so easy, that it's just as simple as eating and sharing with others. It's just as simple as inviting people around a table. And so, Lord, as we embark on this summer of hospitality, Lord, I just pray that you might just put it on our hearts and that you might just show us who it is in our lives that you want to invite us us to invite in, who it is in our lives that you want us to, to bring and draw a little bit closer to see the other side of us, that it's not a show that it doesn't need to be anything fancy or elaborate, Lord, but instead that it can just be this pulled back, raw opportunity for people to get to know and meet and see each other. And so God, I just, as we come together this morning and as we have communion, as we share in communion together, I thank you. I thank you for the instructions you've given us to eat together, to do it in remembrance of you. And so as we drink the cup and we eat the bread and as we share 
the hope that we've received through the cross, through your sacrifice, Lord, that you might remind us of that, that you might remind us of the hopefulness that we have to share. Lord, I just pray for the opportunity we're going to get to pray for each other and the opportunity we're going to get to eat together, Lord, so that we might have the opportunity to practice hospitality here, that we can practice hospitality between each other and then go out and do it with the world. So, Lord, I just I thank you again for Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. I thank you for the opportunity we get to come here and the hope that we receive through that, that Jesus gave his life so that we have one to live so that we have one to enjoy, that we have one to celebrate and share with others. Lord, I just thank you for the cross. Amen. Cool. The bread and the juice is going to come around, and I want you guys to sit in groups. I want you to share. Let's be real with each other, and then we're going to pray for each other. Samao, I think, is going to come up and, and strum a note. Yeah, and we'll have a bit of music in the background. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to finish there, and we're going to finish naturally. And so when you guys are done, you can head into the room. We're not going to do a last song because we just want to leave this space for you guys to pray and for you guys to sit in. So there's no rush. There's nowhere to be. There's, nowhere, there's no last song that we have to be done by. Instead, we can just gather this morning. We can gather around communion together and share the hopefulness. Cool. All right, the bread and stuff's going to come around. Jump into some groups pray together if you are <laughs> that's a great point if you are gluten-free we do have the little cups 